Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-age child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Christina Campos. I'm founder of The Impactful Parent, and I help parents of school-age children turn their chaos into connection with their adolescent. I offer parent education videos every week, online courses, and coaching. And if that wasn't enough, I bring experts in on other fields onto the Impactful Parents stage to teach you even more. And today I have a special guest. His name is Michael Lepo. In the Lepo household, rigorous academics were always stressed, and the Lepos invested heavily in a private school education for their children from K through 12 and in college. And during the COVID pandemic, when schools went to remote, then the LEPO started researching alternative forms of schooling and were shocked in a good way about studying abroad. After lengthy research, they discovered that Europe had some of the best colleges in the world and the vast majority were substantially less expensive than colleges here in the United States. So I am really excited to have Michael here today to talk about this option for our kids and whether or not it's going to be a good fit for your child. So thank you so much for being here, Michael. Well, thank you, Christina. That was a a wonderful introduction. Thank you. First of all, let's see, with my introduction, I know I kind of told your backstory, but I want to give you the opportunity to add to that. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about how you made this discovery and what your feelings were in that process. As a family, we got down to uh, studying uh, all the European options. We we discovered that uh, studying abroad was a no-brainer. It, it, it is literally between 50 to 95% less expensive, sometimes 100%. Actually, you can go for free. And so we did a lot of research. And what we came up with is that the quality of education, which was a big part, was every bit as good, if not better. And so when we discovered that the cost was much lower or and that also the education was, was better, it became easy. And so uh, one of our children went to study in, in a, actually in Spain. I think the cost for the whole year was maybe $5,000 for the tuition. Uh, We were paying $70,000 or $75,000 where he was going to school beforehand. So it's a little bit of savings. And uh, so then after he finished and graduated, now it's going back about a year, year and a half ago, I decided to keep going and study it in much more detail. And so through about a year of study, I discovered that studying in Europe is something that more and more uh, students should be doing. And it's not going to be right for everybody, but it definitely is an option. And so I launched this company, International Admissions Counselors, IAC, with the goal of trying to save parents you know, up to 90, 95% of their tuition bill, and also to pro- provide their children an opportunity to, to see the world and uh, probably get a better education along the way. That is an amazing story. I'm really excited that you're here to talk to us about this because certainly education here in the United States has gone out of the roof of expenses and prices crazy. And honestly, not too sure if it's quite worth it anymore, depending on what your kid majors in. So to have this other alternative for our kids sounds 
so great. Now I got some questions for you about some of the differences between the United States and Europe that I know parents need to start doing some comparison just to see if that would be right for their kid. So can you tell us a little bit about the difference in studying abroad in Europe versus just going to a university, like as far as academic structure, school day, anything that might uh, be a red flag for some parents that might go, huh, that might not fit with my kid. I'll tell you something. Uh, The difference is there's probably two major differences. Well, well, three. The first one is there's no difference. The academics are academics. They're very similar in terms of teaching. So the teaching style is the same. Uh, There's no real big difference. Uh, Number two, is there's a little bit sensitive subject because it's a political thing, but there's no, they're not teaching uh, CRT and wokeism in Europe. It's not there. It's just academics. You're not going in there for all this other stuff, which, you know, probably alienates a lot of parents and the the students. So that's not being taught. It's just academics as it always has been. The third thing, which is something that to me is the biggest bargain in the world, put aside the cost savings and the academics being every bit as good, When you go to college in Europe, from the time you enter, if you're going into a profession, let's say you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, on day one, you start taking those courses. You don't have to go for a four-year undergraduate degree in the U.S. And you get an under, like, for instance, if you want to go to medical school in the U.S., you get an undergraduate degree in biology, in economics, in English, whatever it is. Then you apply to medical school. In Europe, on day one, if you're accepted into medical school at 18 years old, you start taking, you're in medical school then at 18 years old. You finish in six years. So at the age of 24, you're a doctor. You don't go until the age of, you know, 22, 23, you graduate undergrad, and then another five, four or five years. In, in the U.S., maybe at 27, you're a doctor. In Europe, at 22, 23, 24, you're a doctor. That alone is also a huge uh, savings for parents. I mean, you're taking off years of education to have the same outcome. Well, let's put it this way. I'll give you one example. If you go to school in France at a a public university, uh, international student or native, you pay zero. The cost for tuition is zero. You go six years through the, from whatever university in, in France that's public, your tuition, if you want to be a doctor, is zero. Whatever you spend for room for housing and board, that's up to you. You might want to have five roommates, two roommates. But you could probably go through medical school in France for five to $7,000 a year just for your housing and your, your food. And at the end of six years, you're a doctor. It costs you $30,000 or $40,000. In the U.S., that's costing you a half a million dollars. That's a big difference. It is. Now I have some questions about that. I know the audience might be thinking, and one is it's your child probably has to speak French in order to be able to do that type of option. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, here's a a great question. Thank you. So the way it is in in Europe is very, I'll, 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 I'll cut through thousands of hours of research and just tell you this in the next 60 seconds. If your child speaks a foreign language, so we'll just go with four of them. We'll say French, Italian, Spanish, and German. Those countries and those universities tend to have lower tuitions. So they tend to be zero to about 20,000 a year. Typical average is five to 10. 
if you don't speak a foreign language, you speak English, you tend to go to countries like uh, England or uh, Ireland, Finland or Denmark or Norway. Yeah. And those tuitions tend to be about 10 to 25,000 a year. That's it. England's the most expensive foreign country, averaging between 20 and 30,000. Uh, there are a number of very good universities in the 10 to 15 range, but the average is 20, 25 for England. So that's really it. So if your child is taking, um, is fluent or pretty darn good in French, Spanish, Italian, or Germany, you just hit the lottery <laughs> because your child can study abroad for literally including room and board for five to 10,000 a year. I mean, you could. That's, that's, that's awesome. And a that lot of the schools, amazing. and I, I just wanted to give you a comparison just so, you know, this is not just like, well, how good are the schools? Let me just give you two comparisons because I think this really kind of just is a good way of summarizing it. So if you go into the U.S. World and News Reports, uh, global, uh, global ranked universities, they have the rankings from one to whatever. Number one globally ranked university is, uh, is Harvard. Harvard's 53,000 a year. The number five globally ranked university uh, in England is Oxford, both well-known places. Oxford is 25,000. Harvard's 53, Oxford's 25, so less than half the price. Acceptance rate for Harvard is 4%. Acceptance rate for Oxford is 9%. Half the price, double the acceptance. If you go into, um, let's say, a little bit lower rated schools, University of, uh, let's say, Penn State University in Pennsylvania, good school, $33,000 a year tuition, acceptance rate of around 50%. University of Barcelona in Spain, 86th ranked versus 84th ranked, so about the same ranking. That school is 5,000 a year. 5,000, the acceptance rate of over 80%. So you can study at the University of Barcelona for about 85 to 90% less than at, universe, uh, than at Penn State, so, so for supposedly the same ranking, and your acceptance opportunity is, is 30% higher. So it really comes down to this, and I'll kind of summarize with this. As a parent, you need to ask yourself, and a child, you need to ask yourself the following questions. Your budget, first of all, what's your budget look like? If you, if you have unlimited budget, does it make a difference? If you don't, which is most people, the budget's a factor. Number two is, is your child emotionally ready to go travel abroad? And are the parents emotionally ready? Because not everyone's going to be there. Like, oh, I can't let my child go away. And the child might not be ready. So those are the two critical things. Once you get past those questions, then you can start to get into the actual finances of it and say, hey, this is an investment. And what am I going to get for my return? You know, I know a lot of people who invested over $300,000 for uh, degrees in liberal arts, let's say in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in fine arts. Nothing wrong with fine arts, but then when they go to get a job, they realize they can't get a job for more than $40,000 a year. They spent $300,000 in fine arts. Was that worth the investment? It's not for me to decide. Or they can go somewhere, study abroad. Maybe they want to study uh, in, in Florence, Italy, fine arts, the best place in the world for museums, and probably cost them over four years with room and board, fifty or $60,000. And they have a degree from the University of Florence for 60000 studying the, the best pieces of art in the world versus 300000 from some small university. So everyone, every parent has to make their own decision. For me and my family, it was a no-brainer. So what I did, 
just kind of to summarize what I did is over the last 12 months, I did more research to, you know, to provide information like this. And what I do with, with, with clients, and I'm working with about 12 to 15 people right now is I look at, first of all, what is the best university for them if they want to study abroad? They usually narrow it down to about five universities in a particular country. And then number two, we go through the application process and then the student visa process. These are very complex for people going through them the first time. As a parent who went through them the first time, it was brutal because a lot of these places have basically one-way communication. You send an email to them, you wait five to seven days for, it takes five to seven days for a response. The response comes and typically it doesn't answer your question. So it's very frustrating. And when you go through the process, something that should take three or four weeks can go into six or seven months because you're going crazy trying to get an answer. So what I've done is I've, I've simplified it in a way to work with people so they don't go crazy to help them with the process. And that's that's really it. So it, the whole the whole goal is to make life easier for parents to save them a heck of a lot of money. And honestly, you know, if I were to do this over again, uh, there's I guess I'm biased right now, but there's no way my kids would have gone to U.S. colleges. There's no way. Maybe one year, but they certainly, I certainly would have uh, had them go, go for at least two, three years. And, and when I asked my children the same question, they say, Dad, I would, would never have gone. I would have stayed, you know, gone to Europe. And by the way, when you go to Europe, you have the perk, the perks of seeing the world. And both my children have based, been to like 20 to 30 countries. I mean, they've seen everything. And when you're in Europe, you can puddle jump to different countries for like 30 or $40. It's not a lot of money. So you can really see the world uh, while getting a great education, which I think helps. And by the way, for those parents who children, whose children do speak these other languages, I encourage you to keep that going because when you have different languages, that obviously is very attractive in the job market as well. No, I mean, and I have some questions for you about it because, I mean, it just sounds fantastic, almost too good to be true, to be honest with you. Um, so as we try to narrow down if this is a good fit for, you know, your own particular family, uh, one of the things that came to my mind was the degrees uh, is, do you know, do our degrees regional, like as far as let's say our previous example of wanting to become a doctor. So does that mean you can only practice in France? Uh, that type of thing. Now, I would imagine that depend. it all depends on the degree, right? I mean, it probably yeah. could vary. But in general, I'm talking about wide span without having to think too much and do too much research. Uh, yeah. What does that look like? So if you want to be, if you become a doctor, let's say in France, it's very simple. All you have to do to become a doctor in the U.S., if you want to you know, come back to the U.S., is you have to pass the boards, the U.S. boards, which is what doctors in the U.S. who get a degree have to pass the boards as well. It's the same thing. You have to pass the same test the U.S. medical students passed to become a doctor. And then you practice and then you you do your and you have to do your residency in the U.S. as well. So it's the same process that the med students would go through. Um, same thing for a lawyer. It's just you have to pass the same certifications. Mm -hmm. No difference. And um, it's just one of those things where, you know, I've researched it more and more. Like, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> I have one. <clears throat> I have one client right now who is in medical school and their cost for the year is $1,100 in Spain, $1,100 to go to medical school. And so when they finish, they'll, if they want to practice in the U.S., they'll have to take the, the boards and so forth, or they can just practice in Spain. I mean, it all depends what they want to do with their life, but it's, it's really that simple. And if we, when you get into it more and more, which I have, 
you will see there are a lot of people who have taken this path from other countries. I see a lot of people from Latin America and from different countries who have gotten their degrees internationally, then they come to the U.S. to make more money. It's very interesting. I only focus on Europe. I have looked at the other countries, but typically in Europe is where you have the best colleges in the, in the world besides the U.S. A lot of these other countries, the colleges are not the best. So I tend to focus just on, on Europe, which is a pretty big group of countries. And which of the European countries has the better schools? I would say overall, England has the best, uh, but it's also the most expensive. So, you know, England, you, you could be somewhere in the range of $40,000 for the year, including housing, for one of these better schools. Um, but if you drop down, like the Sorbonne in France, which I think is, I don't have my ratings in front of me, I think it's like in the top 50. The Sorbonne is, is internationally known. The tuition for there is zero. <laughs> it's a top 50 or top 50 school. And also within the schools just in the U.S., Every school has different departments in different, you know, different uh, uh, core subjects. So one school might be rated number 90 overall, but it might be number 20 on a particular you know, engineering. So it's going to be just like the U.S. Every school is going to be known for certain strengths, but certainly for the arts, the Sorbonne, if my child speaks French and uh, they want to study the arts, I'm studying them to the Sorbonne for zero. <laughs> that, that's where they're going. Yeah. So I want to ask a little bit more about the deadlines, the application deadline, for example, um, the process of applying and their particular school year, if they go from August to May. And I know I'm kind of wrapping that all together, but it really goes together as far as the admissions process goes. So I know in the United States, our let's say our high school seniors are starting to do their application processes in the fall, making sure that everything gets submitted. If you're considering this option, when do we start? When do the kids apply? Uh, like, when do we start this process and reach out to you? Yeah, it's it's actually uh, very similar. Uh, some of the very, like, Nordic countries, they're a little bit different on their schedule, like uh, Norway and Iceland. But for the majority, you're looking at a September, October, November time frame when you should be getting applications in. Usually deadlines are, like, the first week of December. For the This is, this is uh, for people who want to get admitted uh, typically for the fall of the following year. So you, you start nine months to a year in advance. And then if you uh, get your application in typically by May or June, if you want to start in January uh, for the following year. So it's usually, you know, six to 10 months in advance are the deadlines. Uh, and the, the deadlines are, are set in stone. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. But um, I think right now for the fall, most places, and it varies by country, is I think December 15th. December 15th is, it tends to be the ballpark date if you want to go study there the, the next year. And then I think it's, uh, in general, May 15th to June 15th if you want to study in January, February. They tend to start their school year a few weeks behind us, but not much. They usually tend to start towards the middle to the end of, uh, of uh, September. When we tend to start the beginning of September. And then they, uh, so they're just a few weeks behind and their semesters tend to end uh, like the first semester will tend to end like towards the middle to the end of January when our first semester might end December. So it's, it's, it's a little bit off by about three, four weeks, but it's not really a big difference. So would you say that your ideal client should reach out to you when they are either a junior or a senior in high school? 
Well, I always believe that you can never start too soon. I mean, I really believe that uh, either way is fine. But I, I think what it really becomes, it really is, I think in this day and age, because tuition, college is so expensive. For instance, when I graduated college, it cost me, uh, I think it cost me $1,000 a year. So it wasn't so much of an economic decision for the family. Now it's a big financial decision, especially if you have more than one child. If you have two or three children, I mean, what are you going to do? So I think, first of all, you know, the family has to be honest with each other and say, financially, what can we do? Now, if you're a very low-income family, you're probably, and your student is a good student, you're going to get a ton of financial aid, so it might not even be much of an issue. But if you're sort of a middle-income person in this day and age, maybe making 70000 to 150000 somewhere in there, it's going to be a big decision. So I, I, I would, to answer your question, um, I, I think uh, junior year certainly is something you should be looking at. And, and by you hit by the time you hit September of your senior year, you should know really what you want to do. And so my suggestion is, you know, I would I would still apply to the U.S. schools. And then it's always good to see what the uh, financial aid you'll get or not get. But I think you should also you know, throw some applications in, in Europe as well, because um, I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? You go to Europe for $5,000 for the year. Then after a year, you go, I don't like it. I want to come back to the U.S. OK, so you come back to the U.S. In the meantime, your family saved probably $50,000. It's not, it's not a bad option. And I'm assuming that the student visa that they would obtain in order to go study abroad would really just last for their school duration. Yep. It's not uh, beyond that. At that point, then you have to reapply if you wanted to stay. In yeah, Europe. I mean, it's it's, it's you, you get it for the school. You, you put in, in the very beginning how long you're going to be there. And then if you're going to renew it, you just put a renewal in, which is not a big deal. But the it's it's uh, you you have to put in ahead of time. The student visa is, a, I won't waste your time, but it's a, it's a very uh, complex thing to get. Uh, it's, it's, I understand how to do it very well, but for someone doing it the first time, it's a nightmare. But basically, you just you go through the process, uh, have to get lots of different things stamped, lots of stamping done. There are people, there are, there are different pieces of, uh, there are different roles in the U.S. government that you've never heard of who need to stamp this thing. <laughs> it's a, I'll just give you a quick thing. Is you've heard of a notary public who kind of stamps your document to make it official? Of course. To, to your document for a student visa and for admission has to be stamped by a notary. That's fine. It also has to be stamped by something called an apostille. An apostille is a notary notary. Kid you not. It's like a double check of your document to make sure it's authentic. And this person is only like one person per state in one state office. And so it's it's... It's a crazy thing that we discovered long into the process. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And we had to literally drive like nine hours to have this person come out, go, okay, <laughs> stamp. I was like, oh my God, like really? But they, they have these different safety measures in check to make sure you are who you say you are. Your transcript has to be authenticated. There's a lot of little things that go into it. This is why I have a company to make sure it's done exactly right and there's no delay. And I hear you have a freebie for our audience. It's a comparison chart. Is that correct? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, what I did is I just took maybe five or six uh, colleges that have similar rankings uh, in, in, in Europe and in the U.S. based on U.S. World and, New Re World and News reports. And I just wanted to show people uh, it wasn't anything in particular like I just but I just wanted to show them across some different countries 
and look at and let them compare the cost because it's something that is such a mystery. And it's funny, I've, I've told this business to you know hundreds of people who have uh, kids in college or who have just graduated, what have you, and no one knows about Europe. I mean, we know we we know what Europe is, but we just we're just we're just naive. We don't understand. I said, you know, you're you're kidding because we go to school for like nine thousand dollars a year instead of the seventy five you're spending. And the typical response is, well, the education can't be very good. I'm like, no, no, no. It's an independent source. The education is actually better. Oh, really? Well, then you know, uh, he'll get he'll get homesick. I'm like, well, then fly him home. <laughs> so it's like it's so you really need to have that conversation with your child to make you'll know as a parent if you're emotionally able to let your child go is the child mature enough to kind of be out in a foreign country by themselves although they'll be in the school structure it's not going to be any different like if they fly you know if they if they're like uh 2000 miles away in the US okay they're still 2000 miles away and instead they might be 6000 miles away in Europe I guess technically that's that's further away, but you know you can still take an airplane and go see them. Well, this is just a wonderful option, and if people are listening to this and they're like, "Oh my goodness, I think my kid can do this," and they want to reach out to you for more information, how do they reach you? Yeah, th- th- there's three or four ways. Uh, phone number is six zero nine five ten two thousand. That's my personal number. A personal email is michael.lepo at gmail.com. Uh, business email is marketing at internationaladmissionscounselors.com. It's a long title. I apologize. And they can always just go to the website at internationaladmissionscounselors.com to get more information. But any of those methods, they can reach me. And uh, where we are right now, uh, probably the people who will be reaching me after watching this would be looking into, you know, a, a fall admission. Uh, so that's, you know, they can reach out to me. I would just say if they're going to do something like this, you know, try to reach out to me in August or September so we can get the ball rolling sooner than later because uh, uh, the process probably will take between four and five weeks, four and six weeks from beginning to end because you have to go through the admission process. And then once you're accepted, then I mentioned before, the acceptance rates tend to go between 50 and 80% for international students. So it's a very good chance you're going to get in. Then you have to go through the student visa process and that takes a couple of weeks to kind of get everything together. So you need to give yourself enough time so you have everything kind of ready to go because it's a uh, um, it's a straightforward yet difficult process because a lot of times the communication from the other end uh, doesn't come in necessarily uh, like the the cons like for instance the consulate in Florida they were as I think I said to you they they they'll answer your question seven days after you submit a question and they don't answer your question and this can go on and this can go on for weeks. So that gets frustrating. I know how to get around that now, but uh, you know, I, I I spent four months trying to get an answer to one question from the consulate, and they oh they don't pick up the phone. Oh so, my goodness! So so when you go through the process, it's good to have someone by your side to help you because otherwise you gotta, gotta kind of go crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's but, what you're here for, Michael, yeah. and we really appreciate that and all this information just to have parents know about this. We're gonna spread the word and how you can help parents. Uh, See if this is a great thing for their family. It's definitely not for every kid, but even if you have a child that let's say is not quite ready yet, it's good for parents to hear this option because I do know a lot of families where their child goes to United States school for a year, find that it's not really a good fit for them. Um, whether what, for whatever reason, there's so many reasons why it might not be a good fit. And 
a couple years later, that kid wants to go back to school, but they also want life experiences. And so you never know when this might be a handy thing for your family. So thank you so much for being here today and just educating us about our options after high school. I hope today's episode brought value to your day. And if you would like to become a more impactful parent, download the Impactful Parent app. The Impactful Parent app is free to download and full of episodes just like this one to help you in your parenting journey. So carry help, tips, and parenting resources right in your pocket so that you can refer to it when you need it most. Plus, when you download the Impactful Parent app, you're also joining a community of like-minded parents that just want to do the best they can for their child. So... Make sure that you go to your app store and check it out. It's free. You have nothing to lose. Just type in Impactful Parent and I should be right there. Or you can go to theimpactfulparent.com and get the link from my website. But discover how you can step up your parenting game and become a more impactful parent. But until next time, you got this, parents. I'm just here to help. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.